you once thought sucked, but now you realize that they rock. They might still suck. Fear and Loathing Podcast. Wow. Welcome, everybody, to Fear and Loathing in Cinema. First off, we have a new jingle for our podcast. Did everybody like it? Did everybody love it? it is. Yeah, it you is did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Thanks to Jonathan Atterbury, the musician out of California, who did that for us. We've been wanting one for a while, and we're so happy that it's here. We hope you enjoy it because you'll be hearing it uh forever every now. time you'll be hearing yeah. it every time uh fear and loathing podcast fear and loathing and cinema podcast i'm brian kluger and i'm joined by the two hosts with the most the two expeditioners who i want to discover america with <laughs> every year dan moran and preston barto what's up i i loved i love it i love it i'm here to try to not die of dysentery with both of you boys for the rest of this podcast <laughs> I'm going to do a uh, nervous Bidwell shaky voice the entire time and just say, <laughs> what, what, what would you like to know, sir? And, and I, I'm going to look Preston. for, and I'm going to look for Eagle eggs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> It'll be, show. it'll be show. If, if this has any clue for any of you, the uh, movie we talk about this week is almost heroes. The movie that starred Chris Farley, Matthew Perry, Eugene Levy, Kevin Dunn, and uh, was directed by the one, the only Christopher guest. It came out. May 29th of 1998. It was filmed in 1996. It was made on a $30 million budget, <laughs> comparable to $50 million today. It only made $6 million, which is weird because this was released posthumously uh, after uh, the death of Chris Farley some six months later, um, which is crazy to, to me. Uh, it was also interesting to see that the choreographer for this movie was Adam Shankman. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, there are tons of little cameos in this movie. And the fact that this movie was pretty much entirely shot on location is just beyond crazy. But we're here to talk about it uh, because this movie has a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Uh, and then sometimes this movie gets confused with Wagons East, uh, the Richard Lewis, John Candy Western-ish movie. So uh, Almost Heroes, Chris Farley, Matthew Perry. I'm really trying to remember what I thought about this when I watched it for the first time because I was a huge Chris Farley fan like everybody else. And, you know, I was really sad when he passed away. Um Back then, I you know, I was in high school, I was a teenager, and this movie came out, you know, when I was 17, 16. And uh, I, I'm i really trying to remember seeing it in the theater. I, I, I might have blocked this out. I don't remember, but I might have not liked it. I, I'm trying to remember because I just remember everybody hating it. Uh, but I'm trying to remember. Uh, Dan, what do you remember about this movie coming out? Did you see it when it came out? I know for a fact that I saw it when it came out. Um, I was 12 or 13 um, when it came out. So this is like right in my wheelhouse of comedy. 
like, oh, it's got Chris Farley. It's got sight gags. It's got fart jokes. It's like right in that Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, um, all of those kinds of movies is what I kind of, um, this is the type of humor that it was. And we'll discuss whether or not this worked as well as some of the other ones, but it's definitely in that genre. And I was at the perfect age to accept that into my life and into my heart. <laughs> and um, and I remember seeing it. I I know I saw it in the theaters for sure. But much like you, I don't know if it's just a blank spot. I didn't remember anything about this movie at all, except for the stealing the eggs until I rewatched it. <laughs> the stealing you. the eggs is like, I, I, I knew that. If you told me almost heroes i'd be like oh where he steals the eggs um and then i would not remember any other plot point of the entire movie so it was like i was watching it fresh again other than the stealing the eggs. that was basically me because i think i might have seen this twice in my life before now why, and i think the only thing that? i really remember was chris farley falling down the big red oak red well, wood tree why is that is that like an i uh, how is that incepted into our brains is that like an iconic thing <laughs> moment know? yeah who knows who knows preston <laughs> what do you remember about this because this was god you must have been like five when this came out <laughs> i was eight you were I eight did, i did see it in theaters and i've seen i remember everything about this movie because i've seen it hundreds of times it's <laughs> in my probably my top I don't know about five, but definitely 10 top 10 comedies of all time. It just whoa, makes whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa, let's slow it down here. Holy fucking Moses, that's a bold statement, sir. And I'm going to disagree with your opinion here, but I can't wait to hear you back this up with something that has a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes being in the top 10 comedies for you. Oh, I can't wait because I'm, I'm gonna preface this by saying. While I may not have liked it before, I do like it now for a lot of reasons. But t- Preston, god damn, I'm I'm always impressed by you. I, I can't wait <laughs> to know. Name. Yeah, yeah, so that's my middle name. Impressive. Impressed. Uh, <laughs> talk to me. Okay, fin- finish, finish, finish. So it's just it. I find it. This is my kind of humor. I laugh at all the jokes. It's so incredibly stupid, but it's just, it just makes me smile. Like even from the very <laughs> beginning of Chris Farley, just like freaking out before he's about to get hung for some silly crimes. Like some lady comes up to him and says something like, I hope Satan burns the flesh from your miserable bones. And he's like, good God, lady. It's just like <laughs> their his delivery Matthew Perry's like kind of like trying to be this like prim and proper guy and he wants to be in the history books. There's just so many moments I could go on forever for I could be Chris Farley from his SNL skit where he's just like, remember, remember that? Remember that? It was awesome. It's just (laughs) it's just so many damn moments in here, man. Like I quote this movie all the time. I can't tell you, especially like when my my son who's doing homeschool with uh, with my wife's, of course, the teacher. And every time uh, he's gets frustrated about trying to learn a lesson, we always refer to the moment in this film where Chris Farley's trying to learn the alphabet. And oh, it's the, like the capital A, oh, lowercase. Do you want my head to explode? <laughs> it's just like, God, dude, 
there's so many moments i'll i'll even talk about like some of the like very subtle moments that maybe not a lot of people catch um and the so nuance. the nuance yeah, the nuanced ones yes for sure so uh yeah this this movie's so fantastic to me and i love it and i'm so glad we're here to try to redeem it i i man i am blown away because like before this podcast, I almost secretly texted Dan by himself, like, let's shit all over this movie for Preston <laughs> since he hated the last one. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I I watching this movie, I was like, oh, I wanted to get out a notebook and be like, where's the little joke? So as Preston said last week, he really liked it. I was like, oh, well, let me find little places to dig. But I ended up enjoying like 90%. <laughs> even it was just it was just a, it's a really and I say this with nothing but love. It is a stupid extended Saturday Night Live skit where part that goes on too long. Parts of it work and then it swings back around to working again after you kind of lose it. But it's just it's a complete goofball mess that has absolutely it doesn't hurt me at all. Like it didn't right. hurt my feelings, it didn't hurt my intellect. I knew exactly what I was getting in every scene. And if I wasn't ready to accept that, then that's on me. Like, well, there's such a sweetness to it. Like, there's nothing right. mean or bad in the movie. Like, even in this Western times, when you have, like, these men, these grovelly men who are looking for beer and women, they find, you know, whores, <laughs> women at a saloon, but they're not women. They're just, like, blow-up dolls made out of straw, and they're, they're like, hell yeah. <laughs> it, it's just it was so good it, I, I don't it's speaking of a nuanced moment with the straw women like when they're having their time with them quietly in a room and then the the owner of the establishment's like all right gentlemen it's enough time now he opens the door and the first guy that comes out has hay coming out of his trousers yeah. <laughs> yeah. i did notice that and it was so good i was like only christopher guest would do stuff like that right right so to give you a little background if you don't remember the movie almost heroes um this movie kind of starts out with a narration and it kind of brought me back to um to uh oh my goodness the the oh shit Eli Cash in Royal Tenenbaums saying we all know little bighorn uh yeah. <laughs> did the with the war but maybe well, this book predisposes maybe he didn't so that's kind of how it starts out is basically Henry yeah. Shearer saying like we all know lewis and clark you know just kind of dis discovered america but maybe they didn't maybe it was these two <laughs> it was basically kind of that and then you see you know you you are introduced to chris farley who plays bartholomew hunt and matthew perry who plays leslie edwards fantastic and um Matthew Perry is this rich, very regal guy, and Chris Farley is just, you know, is Chris Farley, basically, but in, you know, frontier times. And they get together and they kind of get a ragtag group of people to explore America before Lewis and Clark, because basically the only reason they want to do this is to be first. <laughs> they they, they want to beat Lewis and Clark uh, um, at this, and not like the, not Lois and Clark, Lewis and Clark. Um, and they have an adventure like these, this Island of Misfit Toys group of characters, idiots just kind of fail their way through to the end. And you have 
what works, I think, so well with this is that you have um, Matthew Perry, you know, at the height of Friends here, um, playing it almost straight. He, you know, he, and then it's almost like the odd couple, like just like a dirty, gross, ridiculous man, and then a very prim and proper ridiculous man too but they get together and it works i don't know what what was it about their chemistry like i a lot of people in the reviews over the years said there's no chemistry in this movie i think there's tons of chemistry in this movie oh i think so too what what preston get on your soapbox let's hear it (laughs) no i'm gonna be the whole no 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 you you leave this because otherwise i'm just gonna keep going on and on and on (laughs) i i think farley has chemistry with anyone who can be a straight man that's his that is his gift as a yep. like we've just seen him do it. I mean, our we saw him do it forever. It didn't. I mean, David Spade was obviously the number one, but any skit he was in, any movie he was in, he would be the bombastic, crazy person, and he would just elevate anybody who had to play off that as a straight man. And so I'm not knocking Matthew Perry because Matthew Perry was is fun in this, but he's also being carried by Chris Farley because every line that Matthew Perry gets to say every look he gets to give is all predicated on Chris Farley's performance. And so that's not, I don't want to, yeah, it sounds like I'm shitting on Matthew Perry and I'm really not because he, he was serviceable, but at the same time, it's like, this is Chris Farley's movie. And that's just, that was the magic of him. And Yeah. Go ahead, Preston. Yeah, I would say the exact same. I feel like Matthew Perry's lines, the lines that I remember from him are the ones are are either his like Jim Halpert like reactions to <laughs> yes. to what Chris Farley does or he'll have like um so an- another nuanced moment is pretty early on when Matthew Perry's character Leslie Edwards rescues Bartholomew Hunt, Chris Farley from being hung. Um, and he is like, I got a signed letter from Thomas Jefferson. And then when they're having a moment of sitting together on the on the wagon and he's kind of explaining like what why he needs this needs him for this mission. Bartholomew says something <laughs> like you didn't did, did you reach out to Lois and Clark? Like they're they're probably like your guys. And then he <laughs> Leslie Edwards says something like, don't you think I tried? And then just kind of moves on. And it's just like, if you didn't really think about it, you'll move on because Chris Farley's type of humor, it's like, it's very aggressive. It's right in your face. You know the joke right away. But with Matthew Perry, some of those kind of like sneak up on you and you, and it's not like, oh, that was actually really funny. And I didn't think about it because I was focusing so much on Chris, what Chris Farley does that if you really focus on some of the the language of Matthew Perry's character, it's actually really quite clever. It is pretty good. It is pretty clever. I, uh, how they build that friendship over time was pretty great. Uh, and then the side cast of characters, like the people they bring with them are, are great. Like you meet them at the beginning and like one guy's just getting his limbs taken off and his ear taken off by people. And then you have, yes. And then you have like an old ass guy about to die who just wants to see the Pacific Ocean. Is that not blue from old school? So I thought it was blue from old school, but I can't be certain. Is it blue from old school? Because that's what I thought the entire time. You're my boy, blue. Yeah. You're my boy. I have to. I have to look that what up. What was his character's name? What was his character's name? I'll look it up real quick. 
Uh, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. Oh, is it? Well, it will. That you, was you, a you, test, Preston. That was a test. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember so, his line. He just says, "I'm an old man." Uh, I'm I'm looking it up right now. That's Pratt. That's all right. It's Jackson. He was Jackson, and yeah, right. yep. Yeah, he was he was old school. It, right. jo- Joseph Patrick Crenshaw, old school Joseph Boy Blue. That is absolutely him. That's well. That's there you funny. go. There you go. Yeah. So blue from old school. And then you have uh, Father Gerard, played by Christian Clemson, who was mostly known as Jerry Espenson from Boston Legal. Um, Oh, my God. There's so many people in this. It's so crazy. And then you have Bokeem Woodbine, Mm -hmm. who, you know, Jason's lyric and just uh, Ray, Ray Charles, uh, Fargo Fargo TV show. Like he's in this. Oh my God, this movie just has a packed cat. And then throughout the movie, you meet um, Dunn, one of my favorite comedic actors, Kevin Dunn as Hidalgo, oh. yeah. um, who has an amazing ending in this movie. Yeah. And I think that that comedy bit right there where basically his wardrobe is coming unraveled and you see he's not the handsome debonair man that he claims to be <laughs> bit by bit is just so wonderfully good there's just it's there's so much little things in the movie top to bottom i mean i don't think i think we'll we'll talk about the christopher guestness of it here in a little bit and i don't think anyone's going to say it's his best movie but it's, well, it's not a Christopher Guest movie that you come to know him because Christopher Guest basically right. is, you know, the mockumentary best in show. Um, you you saw him, uh, Mighty Wind, for your consideration, Waiting for Guffman, This is Spinal Tap. You know, like that's his type of movie. So and, you're saying like this is like Morgan Spurlock doing that Justin Bieber kind of movie? Like this is so outside of his I mean it's kind of more in his wheelhouse, but it's seen it sticks out in his filmography as something that's not quite there's the through line's not quite there. Well, it it's interesting because like before this, you know, he directed like a movie called the big picture about kind of like a guy making a movie, but then he did waiting for Guffman. And then right after this, he did almost heroes, but then went back to his mockumentary thing. So there has to be, there, there was something in there. And I think with the Morgan Spurlock, yeah, I think Morgan Spurlock was making documentaries of some sort mostly about like just like weird little things in life but for him to get this big 3d high-end motion picture big studio movie and when i asked him that i when i interviewed morgan spurlock i said why (laughs) and he goes look i it was 3d this is the biggest band in the world and i you know it's the biggest movie company in the world of course i was gonna say yes It it was a great answer and that was a i think maybe coming off of waiting for Guffman, that very small indie movie that almost nobody saw. And then you have one of the biggest comedian comedic actors and then somebody off of friends and you're having all these people come together. His friends. Sure, I'll direct. Yeah. His friends. Yeah. You come, come in, come do this, come to this not mockumentary movie. And you're getting basically the equivalent of $50 million filming all on location. And that's, and then from what I've read behind the scenes, the script, the script was unbelievably amazing. Like it's so good. And what, like even watching it now, it is great, but it did not connect with audiences back in 1998. And 
Why do you think it didn't connect? Who knows, man? I so I was eight when this movie came out, and so it connected with me, but <laughs> I was also an eight-year-old. So um Well, it's weird because a lot of these types of movies were very popular back then. So like Kung Pao Enter the Fist, which yeah. Oderic was responsible for, and he was part of this movie a little bit, getting this off the ground. And then you have the naked guns at the height of the mid and late nineties, and like what like the spoof kind of movies even though this isn't like a spoof ish movie but everybody was loving chris farley i don't know what went wrong and why people really seem to hate this movie so it well first of all it's a weird that's memorial day weekend right yes 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 so i gotta be honest with you that's a weird time to put out a buddy comedy even though it has Chris Farley. And I think a big part of it is I were people not, I wasn't around for this time, obviously reading critics and whatnot, but were people ready? Cause he had just passed. Yeah. Or you how know, were they marketing I mean, it? I don't yeah. Know. How were they like, here's his last movie. And I know what 1998 that summer was. Um, it was a Godzilla summer. Oh, 1998 was Godzilla. I saw summer of Godzilla. You're totally right. So I just don't know. I think it was like, Godzilla. What else was 98 summer? You got uh, um, um, Truman Show. That was just on a thing. So, I mean, it's just like you have these big movies that we recognize now. Um, there's just so many movies in 1998. I, I want to pull. I'm not going to Saving Private Ryan. Was that one? Yeah. Well, I'm, well, I'm trying to figure out. Arma- like, did Armageddon. Armageddon came out. Oh, so there like you go. There was this was the push of. Of. Memorial Day weekend. Here's a beloved comedic actor who passed away a few months ago. Here's his. We're rushing this movie out. I don't know what the ads were like. And maybe people were just like, eh, it's obviously not his best work. The studios try to make a buck. They're putting on Memorial Day weekend. It may have just been a misplay by the studio as far as money and popularity goes with audience because clearly it didn't connect with audiences. But also, at that point, we were 98. America was all about these, these huge things. We were like Godzilla, Armageddon, like these big budget, crazy actioneers. Yeah. Yeah. We, and and we, this was not that. We also had a lot of, I'm just looking at the 98 movies, and we had a lot of stupid comedies. We had Basketball, Half Baked, The Water Boy. <laughs> hey, believe it or not. <laughs> We have Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> Dirty Work, also uh, one of Chris Farley's last movies. Yeah. Rush yeah. Hour. That's why I'm saying it might have just been the release. Like, I don't yeah. think, obviously, none of those movies came out Memorial Day weekend, but I think this was when, listen, it's summertime. We're here for the big stuff, you know? And maybe yeah. if this movie came out like October 2nd. It would or, or even February, like it's more yeah. like an early year kind of movie. Like this, if this came out today, this would be perfect for streaming. Correct. I mean, we we say all this, but something didn't connect. I don't know if it was the weekend or what, because just like Preston just said, I just looked up. Um, there were, were dumb comedies, but in the middle of the summer this year, was there something about Mary? Yeah. So it's like. And that we is were, it. And, and that made hundreds of millions of dollars. That was hundreds. hardcore rated R had dick and cum jokes how did this family film not make any money i it, with chris farley like ben stiller wasn't a household name back when something about mary was was out 
yeah, it's I, I don't know why it had to be people just pushing up against it. it it's the complete opposite of what happened with uh, Heath Ledger. I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, I, I stand by that. Listen, I love the Dark Knight. We're not going to litigate that or whatnot. But like that movie was five times more successful financially, in my opinion, because people like my wife who don't care about Batman. All they heard about was like, it's Heath Ledger's last movie and it's the greatest performance that he's ever given his entire life. And her and her friends, we were in college. They were all like, we have to see this movie opening weekend. You know, it, there was it was a different kind of groundswell. And, and I don't know if that was different back then when someone would pass. I don't I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it, it was crazy because I know it like six months had gone by from chris farley's death to this movie being released i just think when people saw it and they said well it's another chris farley movie he's falling down a big tree and he's getting pooped on by a bird i don't know i maybe maybe that was it or maybe maybe this was a thing of the critics back then people were reading in the newspaper because nobody was really online at the time maybe a few people they weren't certainly reading reviews um and they were reading like oh my god this is the worst movie in the world. We're not going to go see this. I, But if they did see this, how do you not come out with a smile on your face by the end Correct. of this? It was trying to get people there because clearly people got to these comedy. I, I just, Rush Hour was 98. I had no idea that Rush Hour came out in 1998. Like, there was obviously an appetite for comedies. And if people had seen this, I think they would have walked out with a smile on their face and it would be more fondly remembered. So there's something lost in the ether because I just scrolled through Wikipedia and found at least four comedies that <laughs> are the same general premise of like buddies, fish out of water, going across the way that that are just as and did way more money. Yeah, I, I don't know. Preston, can you shed some light on this? Maybe they got it confused with Wagons East. <laughs> <laughs> but that came out like two or three two, years yeah. earlier. It's like yeah, is this when you look at the when you look at the covers, like even my uh one one of my friends, I brought that up and then they, they said something like that. Cause when when you finish this movie because you can watch this movie Almost Heroes for free on Tubi. And, and YouTube. And you, yeah. And when you finish it. Usually when you watch something on Tubi, like it automatically goes into something else. And then right there, right next to it is Wagons East. And that was like teed up to to for you to watch it next. And they <laughs> aesthetically from like the covers and posters, they look the exact same. Yeah. Right. It, it, it features a skinny guy and a fat guy, you know, a comedic yeah. fat guy, you know, two kind of comedic actors for the most part. Yeah. Uh, no, it's insane. It's insane why this movie didn't work. So what... So besides performances, because this is a silly movie, everybody really turns it in and is they're hamming it up, but they're hamming it up in a really good way. They know where they are. Correct. And uh, but filming on location was insane to me, like in the wilderness, in the heat of summer when they filmed it over 100 degrees, wearing furs and everything like that. It had to be brutal. But it looks like they're having fun. And like the picturesque backgrounds of everything is so beautiful. Like ha even for that, people had to give it a good grade. I don't know. Yeah, we should be comparing it side by side with The Revenant because they both feature a bear, bear rape scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bear rape. It, I'm telling you. So I have a 
So the Revenant, I definitely thought of the bear Raven because that bear looked real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like there were some clever camera tricks that they were doing with that. Because you can tell like when it's dragging away Bidwell that it's a dummy. But they do some like close-up stuff to kind of like blend it a little bit more so you don't exactly see Bear going in and for a wide shot, kind of like they do in The Revenant, even though in The Revenant, of course, they're using a digital Bear. But um, but but yeah, it's still quite effective and, and funny. It is. It is. There, the bear scene's great, but there, there, there's a scene in the movie where you think that, like, okay, the guy who directed the Revenant, um, God, what's his name? Alejandro Inierto. Inierto. Um, he must have saw this movie and was like, "We got to make the Revenant." So there's another scene in this movie where I think a very famous director put almost heroes in their movie. And I want to know if y'all got that while I watched it. So there is a scene where the group comes across a group of Native Americans, Indians. Yeah. Um, and they're all very elderly Indians that yeah. want to Mad fight Max. with them. Yes, yes. But like like to like to fight. And uh Matthew Perry and Chris Farley are saying, like, wait. Uh, y'all are going to die before we get to the battle because y'all are so old. And they say, <laughs> wait, just wait. When we go into battle, we're going to be badass ninja warriors. Sure enough, that happened. And I guarantee you, George Lucas saw this scene and was like, episode Miller. two, Yoda. Like, <laughs> he's going to be coming hobbling on a cane. And when it's time to fight, Yoda is going to be flipping and going to be force pushing people and then afterwards he's just going to go back to hobbling george lucas saw almost heroes and added that to episode two attack of the clones verbatim almost see you went with a different george i was thinking george miller because when we were when i was watching it last night i was like hey it's like the original mothers at the end of fury road when they're all older women who are trying to to fight their way and protect at the very end. There and you they go. Skill sets that I didn't anticipate. Did, didn't anticipate, right? They're they're coming together. I I, I got the Yoda vibe because I like how, like even in this this joke of uh, almost heroes when they're going to battle, like some of them can't even walk. They have to go to the bathroom every five minutes. And that's basically <laughs> like Yoda. It's like he's just hobbling on a cane. He can barely talk, and then when push comes to shove. He's, He's prestiging everyone. <laughs> he is owned. Uh, I don't know it, that, but that scene in Almost Heroes was really great, and they that joke worked perfectly with them showing them going to battle and like having to be carried, <laughs> like who has to go to the bathroom again, and then them showing like flipping and punching and kicking, like oh, so good. Lots of great old old people jokes in this, even to Blue being in it, like I mentioned earlier, with it's like I've always dreamed of like seeing the Pacific and don't you don't wanna destroy an old man's dream? And he's like, Well of course not. Hop aboard. You can help us carry some of the luggage to the boats. And he's like, Can't do, old man. so so okay so with this movie being directed by christopher guest who is an amazing comedic genius but he also fairly in person seems like he takes himself very seriously oh yeah um where do you think 
Christopher Guestiness comes into this movie because like knowing Christopher Guest in his mockumentary styles, like they are amazing comedic films, but they have like a certain brow. And this is definitely not in the Christopher Guest wheelhouse that you would know him for. So where does Christopher Guest come in here? The squirrel. (laughs) That is perfect. Explain that scene. Yeah. So in the scene, they're, it's right when they first start their expedition and they're they're going down the river. And then Chris Farley's talk, trying to like strike, it's not his intention to strike fear but into those who are on the expedition, but he's just trying to, what to prepare expect. them for the reality <laughs> of what's to come. Like this isn't going to be like, you know, the stories that we hear, like there's, there's brutality in these stories that we don't often hear about. Um, and so he's like saying like, yeah, there's people that will scoop your brains out with the with the spoon and all this. And and then Matthew Perry's character is like, <laughs> you're scaring the men. And he's like, I'm just trying to prepare them. And then he's like mentioning like certain animals. And and then one of the guys is like, look over there. There's something. And then there's an guys, animal. Yeah, there's an animal, ferocious beast. And then they pan over the camera pans over there. It's just a squirrel eating a nut. And then, and then it's like Matthew Perry's like, just relax. It's it's only it's only a squirrel. Uh, actually, that's Bartholomew that says that. And then and he's like, he's got something in his hands. And then they're still shooting away. So yeah, that's that's very much like the the killer rabbit scene from from uh, Holy Grail. <laughs> from Holy Grail. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. I I just think okay. The one thing it's missing and. Don't get don't get mad at me, Preston. That's fine. Um, is Christopher Guest movies always have to me a little bit more um heart. And I think that it's in this movie, and I think that the movie ends with a good message and the friendship and everything, but there's some sort of I don't know, some sort of connection to me at least that was that was missing in the entirety of the movie. And that's it's just missing just a little bit. And Christopher Guest normally, even in his most absurd movies, there's a moment where you're like, "Ah," or, you know, it, it hits you. And and yeah. in this one, they they didn't stick the landing on it. I think it has a message, and obviously it has a goal and has character arcs. But I don't think it was all wrapped into a nice um, emotional bow. Yeah, you you like enjoy them together just as individuals who right. have very different comedy styles and in situations that they're dealing with but yeah like maybe they could have when it came to matthew perry's character becoming sick like they through all that they focus more on the jokes like you think of the eagle scene and that sort of yeah. thing and, and it's not really like like j- just because the, the the one lady says like he saved your life and it's just like it's a moment it's like a quick right. moment it is That's a it. quick moment i like that I, and I, I, go ahead no no i but i don't know if i would trade yeah the touching the touching moment or the you know in this kind of a comedy for the moment when they're using the um the telescope and watching the yes. people under the waterfall i mean that's just I you know what's gonna happen the entire time, and it still is hilarious. Like I <laughs> I still was like last night I was cracking up at it the way he was reacting to seeing the guy the guy bathing like no over there <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it was great. And I want to add to that Christopher guessiness moment. And I think it comes at the very end again, where Chris Farley, you can see they're at the end. They have to oh, plant the yeah. flag of the American flag down on the beach to discover it before Lewis and Clark. They see Lewis and Clark and they're like two minutes away. But Chris Farley can get there first if he just like kind of falls down this cliff. And the an eagle picks him up and drops him down there and shits on him. And then like when he gets up, you know, and brushes himself off, he sees everybody else down the mountain. He's like, wait, yeah. what? How did you get down the mountain? He's like, whoa, well, we found like a nice path. It was it was perfectly, perfectly cobbled stairs. So, yeah. And I was like, OK, there's Christopher Guest. Like, that was really funny. And he's like, oh, OK. <laughs> and then. Yeah. It goes back to being silly where they see Lewis and Clark and they're the nicest people. Yeah. And Chris Farley yells, you losers. <laughs> yeah. yeah all I that did like that. Yeah. I liked it. I like that they decided to go on adventuring. That was another. So, cu so curious on this. It ends almost open-ended. Like they, maybe they were going to do a sequel because they're like, wait, let's go discover Europe. Let's walk to Asia. And I was like, wait, are we going to get another movie? I, I think that that's the kind of thing that um, obviously they were hoping for a sequel. But I also think back then people were so sentimental with this sort of stuff that very much like like uh, Fast and Furious 7, where it's like, here's a character or an actor who we know we love and we don't actually want them to die on screen. So we're going to let they're off doing other. I know that's corny, but I think that's what's happened. And honestly, that's what with. Ooh, well, whatever. John Wick 4 has been out long enough, but like. <laughs> That sucked. Like, yeah. that part sucked. Like, when you know, yeah. when you go into a movie and you know that actor died, um, it sucks watching them die on screen. And so Lance Reddick, you know, yeah. and it's like 20 minutes in, you're like, what the? So, and, and, you know, even Heath Ledger, it's like, we'll, we're destined to do this forever. And he just laughs at him and you know he's dead in real life. But guess what? He's still out there. I think that is what they were going for there. Obviously, Chris Farley was still alive in this movie you know, maybe put a couple zeros on the end of $6 million. They maybe would have done a sequel. But um, I mean, remember Shanghai Noon got a sequel. Shanghai Nights. So yeah. this, movie this movie totally could have gone across the land bridge and seen what had happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Dunn as Hidalgo. Like, I love Kevin Dunn and everything. <laughs> Kevin Dunn in Veep was one of my favorite characters on hbo never aged yeah no he has never aged he has never aged so in with hidalgo you've probably seen the movie hidalgo at some point um but he plays his character and he's he has long curly beautiful hair and he's almost kind of fit and he prides himself in how he looks and at the very end the very last fight uh, Matthew Perry is taking off his wig. You see, he's completely bald, and then you see take off his armor, and he's wearing a bustier. It's and the it, hook moment. Yeah, it is the hook moment. Yeah, uh, from Dustin Hoffman, and just like, oh well, he's not, he's not the man we thought. And like his delivery on all of this is so wonderfully funny. <laughs> yeah, one line I always think about with him is. Whose idea was the corn when they're doing like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Just> Eugene? <laughs> there, there's a scene in this movie where Hidalgo captures everybody and they make him walk across hot coals, basically. And 
what it's just uh, like a series of torturous moments That's, yeah that, he, he was just trying to humor himself and all his men for coming up with all these little moments of like kind of like yeah what you were saying like walking on coals or like through broken glass or something just or, or getting stoned or whatever it may be and then just all <laughs> of a sudden it's like disrupted by them walking through sloshing through like kernel corn, corn. <laughs> yeah like kernel like, corn whose idea was the corn <laughs> <laughs> that's also a christopher guest moment it had to be yeah, yeah of course it is Oh, oh man. Yeah. Thinking of like just talking through it with you both, it just makes it funnier. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I can keep going down some real small moments. Uh, another kind of Christopher Guest moment <laughs> uh, is, is, is the moment where Chris Farley, like Chris Farley's character, he's like a really good tracker. And so there's a scene where he's sniffing buffalo bison dro- droppings and then and then trying to impress Matthew Perry's character, he's like, I can I can sense that the herd is over there. He's like, really? You can tell that just by smelling the animals' droppings? No, I can see them right over there. Then why are you... And, and then it's just him... You see him it. smelling it. He doesn't even he's... ask. He doesn't even can finish the sentence. <laughs> I, I love that about Matthew Perry's character. Like, he he's like the, the smart, intelligent one, and then he's constantly like... You know, twirling, you know, like scratching at his beard that doesn't exist, but he's just like so baffled by everybody's stupidity. And that's what (laughs) makes it. That's the Jim Halpert kind of effect. (laughs) And so like, oh, man, I'm trying to think of some other moments where he's just like, um, well, oh, like with with like the guy that was talking about like my my lady, my like, I want to protect my lady. I want to make sure she's okay, that she didn't get burned too badly from when <laughs> the, the night before for when the, 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 uh, the straw man, whores. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The straw <laughs> horse. Like even that night, that night, he's the, the guy that's just like so upset about his woman being burned. He's just like, he, she told me that she wouldn't mind that I smoked. And it's just like, <laughs> That's another Christopher Guest moment, but but uh, and oh, and uh, another one is that same with the straw horrors, and they're all like in snow, and somebody says nobody's doing good except for this one guy who's eating the straw horse. <laughs> eating a straw woman to stay alive for some reason, yeah. and he's just having a great time with her. Oh man. This movie is actually genius. Think talking about it. I feel like if they re-release this in theaters, people might have a different take on it. Yeah, I, it, it it deserves a like it. This deserves a rewatch. This one's too low on Rotten Tomatoes, and it made far too little money, and no one has heard of it or knows about it. Like, it needs to crank up the score a little bit higher, and it needs to make some more money, even though it's free to rent on Tubi. <laughs> And YouTube. YouTube is free, too. Okay. Brian, I really thought of you during that, that scene when when Matthew Perry, very shortly after the, the squirrel scene, when he's having, having a moment. This is a kind of, like, special moment, and I think that this is what really kind of sells the chemistry and the relationship that 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 Leslie Edwards and Bartholomew Hunt have. And it's when Leslie says... I'm going to name this here flower Amanda's Bloom. And and then he's like, Bartholomew, you can also name things after 
whatever you would like. And he's like, you can name this fork in the river. He's like, I'll name this fork Pittsburgh Nelly. Named after a Welsh whore that could do like good things with her one good arm that make you forget about that thing, thing on, on her, her neck. neck. <laughs> <laughs> that see that that little joke was so good. And Chris Farley sold it so well because he was so excited about it. Yeah, it's just like it's like Matthew Perry's character is trying to set up these very like sweet <laughs> moments with him. Another one happens when he's like, "Have you ever been in love, Mister Hunt?" And he's like, "I've had my head under a petticoat or two. <laughs> and then he's like, "Whoa, too brash." He's like, "I thought it toned it down for you." <laughs> oh man, why is this movie at five percent? It is funny. I'm gonna come back to me, come back to you, President, and say like top ten comedies of all time is a bold statement, and I'm gonna no, have to a, go. That's a separate pod. Yeah, that's a, that's a separate pod. But dude, I get but it. But as I but as I keep explaining it, if I if I talk about like him the, the bathing sequence or <laughs> him pulling out trying to get that molar out of his tooth, there's dude, there's so many great moments. And I think if we were to do like a commentary and go through it entirely, I'll make you love this movie to the point where I think you would put in your top ten. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, good. That's that's how good fucking preston is god damn it uh, I'll, replace, I'll replace the memory of the replacements with this <laughs> <laughs> i will say with that bathtub scene because like so chris farley in this sequence is like supposed like everybody's going to drink and then they're like chris you know how you get when you drink go to the supply shop and get supplies and the the owner of the supply shop is just a a mastermind of like every profession he's like i think you need a yeah. bath chris farley you smell he's like okay and then the next shot is the bath water and there's bugs swimming in it and it's gross looking <laughs> you're like he's gonna get in that and uh and take a bath in that but no he'd already taken a bath that was off of him <laughs> Yeah, what 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 makes it great is that the guy is like completely disgusted, and then and then Chris Farley's character is like feels accomplished, like he just like <laughs> he's just like has this smile on his face, and then when they look at each other, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be thinking this is a great moment for me. Like this is actually quite disgusting. Oh man, yeah, I oh, God, almost heroes. And which we is interesting title because it is they yeah. do become heroes. They're not almost heroes. They are heroes. And it's so like it's, they it's like they needed the narrator to come back and be like, as as many accomplishments as they had in their future, they never made a didn't even become a footnote of in a footnote. They were yeah. nothing. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it, it's it's crazy. Uh, and it's interesting to know that the movie studio originally wanted Hugh Laurie to be the role of Leslie Edwards. Hugh Grant, too, I saw. Yeah, so with Hugh Laurie, they didn't get him because um, they, they were, he was not popular at the time. Nobody knew who he was other than uh, Great Britain. But then the role was offered to Hugh Grant, who turned it down, and Bill Murray, which I don't think Bill Murray would have been great in that role. But maybe Hugh Grant... Yeah. Uh, might have been pretty funny because to see his reaction to Chris Farley in that in that role, um, would have been quite fun. And then to see like their eventual big friendship would have been very rewarding. Yes, 
Yeah, I agree with I that. Feel like, I feel like Matthew Perry, he's like the crazy character on Friends. Like he's the one that's kind of wild out of all of them. And then so I can I can believe that they that Chris Farley and him would be good friends. But to to imagine like Hugh Grant and Chris Farley in a movie together, it's almost like imagining like what we've heard about Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey on Batman Forever. Where I he's can't like, sanction this buffoonery. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, yeah, he, he, Hugh Grant would just be like, I've had enough of this movie. Yeah, I imagine Hugh Grant because he's known to be a curmudgeon and he maybe he turned it down. It's like, I can't deal with Chris Farley and I can't deal with being outdoors the entire time for like six weeks. Yeah, I'm sure, just... he turned it, yeah I'm sure he turned it down for good reasons, but he's also been playing complete weirdos in Guy Ritchie movies going on like yeah. five years now where he pops up in every Guy Ritchie movie with like a different accent, weird hair, just being yeah. the weirdest person in the world. So he might it might have worked. But he has like a certain type of eccentricity, and I think yeah. Guy will allow him com- complete creative reign to do whatever he wants. Kind of, kind of probably what Christopher Guest did with Chris Farley. He's like, "Hey, you know, Chris, just do your thing." Because like you can look throughout this movie, and you can be like, you know, there's so many movies throughout Chris Farley's career, especially the popular ones, where he has the falling down the hill moment or something where he's getting hurt. And he's very good at telling these extreme stories like like he's doing with um, when he's talking about the animals on the boat. And then you can look at other movies such as Tommy Boy when he's talking about the car sequence on the table. And he's like, <laughs> and then they fell off a cliff and they you're died. Tra- <laughs> you're driving around. You're driving around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. God. It's, 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 got the, it's got the best Chris Farleyisms in it. Even the way that he hangs in the very beginning of the movie where he just looks like a very uncomfortable dog that's just like taking a bath or something. He's just like hanging there. It's there, there. There's so many moments like that, that, that I, that I think about in what ultimately makes it a, a good movie to me, even though it has some of those like greatest hits kind of moments and maybe they are better in movies like Tommy boy and things like that, but I still love them. Here. I do too. I still love them too. And I like that. I mean, it's sad that this was Chris Farley's last big role and you could see at this time that, oh man, his health was very much declining. Um, yeah, he's uh, a big. He's he's probably his biggest right. in this movie. In, and it was yeah. almost seemed like it was hard for him to like really keep it going and like not keep it go keep like talking even like seemed very difficult for him in this movie. But he did it, yeah. and uh, I very I, mean, I applaud him. Like, and I I I am firm believer that if Chris were still alive, he would be he would have Oscars. He would be a great dramatic actor. And I would even think that he would be great in The Whale. Like when Brendan Fraser did, I think Chris Farley would be great in that movie. Yeah. But I don't know. I I, I, I do a, with a role with the role kind of like that, like something that he could deeply connect with on an emotional level, because he we've heard and especially if you've seen the documentaries about him he he lived a very sad life he kind of punished himself in the same way that robin williams did because a lot of people have said like dude robin williams as funny as he is like he was a very depressing person to be around yeah which is very sad to hear um 
but with with almost heroes you have to go back and see it again like it it is pretty smart it and like preston said at the beginning of the show nuanced like there are yeah. so many little moments here that are almost bigger than the big chris farley gags mm-hmm. like they're yeah. they're they are good and look at, chris look everywhere there it's everywhere yeah, and it's a beautiful looking movie. It's a shot all on location in California or Montana. It is beautiful looking. Um, and it, you know, it's something like you would want to bring up if you talked with Matt Perry or um Bo Keem, uh, you know, or Kevin Dunn and talk about like, hey, I mean, I know this movie didn't do well at the box office. This movie is genius. Well, I mean, talk to me about Chris Farley. Like, I mean, everybody has said that the funniest person ever is Chris Farley. Did you get that sense on this movie? Man, if I had the chance to talk to, and I have, I've talked to Bokeem Woodbine for for Fargo, um, but I kept it so much because I think that's his best role that he's ever had. In, in season two of Fargo, he's so great in that. And cool. I wanted, I wanted to have a moment um, because it was over the phone. I didn't get to say, "Can you clock what kind of fan I am?" Of th- there's a particular film of yours that I absolutely love, and I want to see if you can guess it. And then I would give him the opportunity to try to figure it out, and then I'd be <laughs> like, "For the love of God, man!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, for the love of God, man. That is, oh, he's so good. Uh, it so says snakes bend. Say snakes bend. <laughs> oh, man. We didn't even bring up the slapping sequence with the Native American. Oh, I wave. forgot about that because that, that, because, okay. So they pull, yeah, they pull up <laughs> to this Indian reservation and you think they're meeting the chief. And after any. <laughs> Chris Farley or Matthew Perry speak, they get slapped by this Indian chief. It's like, and, you've insulted him. <laughs> yeah, you've insulted him. You try this. So they're just slapping. And then they just get into kind of a Three Stooges slap fest almost. Yeah. And yeah. then another uh, Indian comes over. is like, I am the chief Indian. Well, who's this? He's the village <laughs> <Yeah>. idiot. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was just so good. Yeah. Great gag. And then yeah. like after they say he's the village idiot, he goes... It's <laughs> <laughs> like Dr. Zoidberg from Futurama. It's just, it's, oh, it's so wacky and so good. I'm like, my it, cheeks hurt from smiling talking about it. Yeah. I know, it I know. Cause, yeah, because right after that is uh, Matthew Perry's like, uh, confronts Bartholomew, and Bartholomew says, like, I had to give him all of your stuff, all your, your prized possessions because they were going to kill us. And so we'll be all right. And he's like, Oh, well, that's well, good. I'm, I'm glad we're, we'll be all right. And then the lady that's traveling with them is like, the Iowas are great. They would never hurt us. He's like, I know that, but I just didn't want to be lugging all that shit around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, Oh man, there's just so many good things. Like I said, it's the nuanced smaller moments with almost heroes. Um, please revisit it on Tubi. Please revisit it on YouTube. This movie demands. Is this movie on Blu-ray or 4K? It's, no, I don't think so. I, I have it on DVD and VHS, and that's it. This, which is crazy. I think they need to come back because they could bring back Kevin Dunn. They could bring, bring back Christopher Guest and Bo Keem and Eugene Levy. Like, come on, people. This is amazing. And it's narrated by Harry Shearer. These are Christopher yeah. Guest people. Like, it's... Yeah. 
it's it's really good to see um to see that and when I, the credits were rolling and you see um shankman's name and you're like oh my god the guy who did uh who who did the step up movies and um uh, adam shankman a- adam shankman and, and a bunch of other things um the the rock star movie what's that movie with tom cruise uh rock of uh, Rock, Rock of Ages, Ages. yeah, I did that movie. I was like, oh man, and he's just a choreographer here. This is crazy. Which there's no dancing in this movie, but maybe fight choreography. Yeah. Uh, loved. It. I I really do like this movie. Please, uh, Preston, Dan, we have to talk with our um our congressmen and our uh, <laughs> and our 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 local affiliates with the Shout Factory and Arrow to get this the MV- release. Or MVD, I think it'd be a great MVD rewind collection. An MVD rewind collection. We got we got to get on the ball and be like, we got to release this because let's let's do this. Let's do this. And who knows? People do listen to us from time to time. Maybe within the next <laughs> few months, we'll get a release of like almost heroes. I don't want to toot my own horn, but with the MVD rewind collection, I did an episode. Uh, a separate podcast and we talked about the MVD rewind collection. We, we said how I, I brought up that man, they would go all the way if they just put like a VHS look on the disc itself. Cause they're so they're just plain white discs. And then he listened to that episode, the guy that, that uh, runs MVD rewind collection. And then he came on our show and we talked to him and then the next movie he did, he did that. He awesome. Put, so, so <laughs> really? we, you you can you can have some some influence. I know probably people over the years have probably talked to him about that and that sort of thing. But it feels it feels nice to be uh, that that what we say has some means something. Yeah. That's amazing. And and with this almost heroes on fear and loathing cinema podcast, we we just kind of wanted to tell you just like how much we loved it. Like we wanted to go through these scenes and get you excited about it because this movie five percent, it's crazy. Too go much. see this movie, please do see this movie. Um, fear and loathing, Chris Farley's last movie, um, Matthew Perry, Eugene Levy, Kevin Dunn, Bokeem Woodbine. It's it's all there. It's it's great. It's it's fun and the music's great. So, yeah. um, go play play that haunting air you played for me this morning. It's <laughs> <laughs> the same thing in the bagpipes. It's so good. Oh, so funny. So yeah, go see this. We are fear and loathing in cinema. Uh, you can find me at highdefdigest.com, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Brian Kluger, check me out. Write in the reviews. You can fe- you can find the incredible. Preston Barta, um, and you can find his reviews at the Denton Record Chronicle. You can find them on freshfiction.tv, where he is he's taking you into an inception-like level of movie reviews, where he just takes you deeper into something like this movie, Almost Heroes. You know, I was a little skeptical at first, but now I'm a fan. See, that's what Preston hey. does to you. That's what he does. He's good. He's good. And you can find him at Blu-ray Dad on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter at Preston Barta and on our other podcast, My Bloody Podcast, which we just did Evil Dead 2. Um, he He's the man, the myth, the legend, Preston Barta. And I feel very excited that I get to sit next to him tonight for air and we get to talk about Ben Affleck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It'll be, be great. Fun. And then Dan Moran, you can find his reviews, his amazing reviews at BoomstickComics.com. He always has 
the amazing words of a wordsmith of of a lawyer. He's a real <laughs> Bill Shakespeare, that one. He's a real Bill Shakespeare. <laughs> Is Bill Shakespeare over there, Dan? <laughs> uh, Dan Moran, he runs our Instagram account for Fear and Loathing in Cinema. So check him out there, too. Uh, yeah, we are Fear and Loathing. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another Diamond in the Rough.